Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We're available on all audio platforms, including on YouTube at Locked On Canucks. Make sure to subscribe there. My name is Nick Bondi. As always, is my co-host, Lachlan Irvin. And Lachlan, we actually have some hockey to talk about. Not that we weren't talking about hockey before, but an actual hockey game to talk about. We sure do. We have uh, we have a Seattle uh, uh, exhibition game, uh, the very first game uh, in the history of the Kraken. Uh, is it, see, uh, people always say that. Is that really? Is it officially the first game if it's a preseason game? Not re- so. Not really. No, like because there's a a we'll 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 talk about this later a little bit because sure. the Canucks also uh, played. Yeah, Canucks also played technically the first game against Vegas in the preseason. Yeah. I was at that game. Yeah. I remember that nine four yeah. loss. Not pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's always uh. I think it's always comes down to like technically speaking, it's one of those like uh technically it is their first game because it's the first time they played an organized game. But yeah, it doesn't actually count until you get to a regular season game. Like that's always the inaugural game. That's always the real official one. That's the one that goes down the score sheet. That's the one when people are like, when people ask who scored the first goal in franchise history, it's always that. It's always from the regular season. It's always from the regular season game. It's never from the preseason game. See, that's my issue is that was not, I don't think, the first cracking game. Yeah, this wasn't even a real a real preseason game either. It was just an exhibition game officially because the there was no score sheet or anything else in this game. It was just uh, it was technically just uh, it wasn't even. I don't think it even counts officially as a preseason game, which is which is weird in a sense. Like I don't I don't really see why there's why they make differences between those two. Uh, why there's like such discrepancies, but uh, yeah, we had ho- I, I we're not going to complain about the fact that we got hockey back. No, absolutely not. And we, we do have a lot to get to today, uh, Lachlan. We're going to talk about, obviously, last night's preseason game versus the Kraken, Danila Klimovich, the Klimovich question. And uh, we're going to end the show with our usual sort of segment, training camp battles, about the penalty kill. But let's get started with uh, last night's game versus the Seattle Kraken. And first of all, I don't know, if do you want to overreact to this game or not? Let's just put this, let's just get that out there right now. Do you want to overreact to this game or not? Because it was a very strong Seattle Kraken side. Just look at the lineup. It's It, it looks like their starting lineup from the regular season versus maybe a 50% strength Canucks side. That was my first reaction was, wow, okay. The Canucks obviously did not get the memo that they're just supposed to roll over and, and lose this game, kind of do the Seattle Kraken a solid in front of their uh, first I, get, I guess I'm calling them the, it's the first home game for the Kraken, even though it's in Spokane. First home game for the Kraken. Uh, so it, it, it was going to be in tough for the Canucks, but they got, obviously got off to early lead. I thought Archer Silovs uh, looked good. They, you know, the Rathbone Burrows, not Alex Burrows, Kyle Burrows pairing looked uh, pretty good as well. Brock Besser, you know, it, it was pretty obvious he was the best player or the most skilled player for the Canucks out there. Not not surprising given the uh, the lineup they were icing. It was it was mostly an AHL roster, but I think the Canucks did well to hang tough, so to say, uh, in that game. For sure, the Kraken very much just base, uh, iced 
essentially the team that they're going to have opening night. Like there yeah. was like uh, Philip Grubauer started, Chris Drieger, uh, who's going to be the backup, most likely cleaned up, uh, did, had cleanup duty. Uh, you had Eberly on the uh, Jaden Schwartz, all uh, et cetera, all playing in this game. There was it was a game where they were very much playing with the the best possible lineup, and or more or less. Um, and the Canucks definitely did not have that going for them. I mean, I don't know how much a difference having say one of Patterson or Hughes in that lineup really makes. Probably not much, but uh, and. But they they did very well. They did well c- given the circumstances and like how and how just how uh, like uh, how much of that roster was mostly made up of guys who are going to Abbotsford. They they and in the first period they were definitely they definitely looked like the like the stronger team at times. Just like the way that they were able to uh, capitalize on the opportunities that were that they were getting. I think Seattle needed some time to kind of figure out the fact that hey, this is their first game playing as a group like at least in the some of the cases of the canucks they've played together for a while and also Uh, hey we should be winning this game because there's like two nhlers on the canucks lineup yeah exactly (laughs) you had what jason dickinson brock besser and that and hoaglander and a couple like maybe a couple other guys and that was really pretty much most of like most of the canucks defense was ahl guys which was the frankly the more like uh, the more, uh, de- I guess not depleted is depleted is the wrong, uh, well, word, well, mostly AHL guys. I think one of, yeah. when we'll get to this in, in, in a few seconds, but I think one of Hunt Rathbone, you is going to make the, uh, is going to make the opening night roster. And I, yes. I guess we can, we can, we can ask that question now to you, Lachlan, uh, who do you think has the inside track after this game? I think I know the answer for me personally is Jack <laughs> Rathbone. I love, I love his skating. I love his – sure, he had a couple turnovers. Obviously, he scored the goal. I thought Brad Hunt played well. And I think uh, Ole Olevi, I think uh, I think uh, his time is rapidly uh, running out for uh, for his time with the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, you just go back to uh, even before this game, uh, Travis Green uh, was asked about his bad skate performance and pretty much uh. said, like, what do, what do you think about it? Well, it's – and said something along the lines of, well, it, uh, it doesn't help his chances. So – uh, you can put two together, and you can. I think you can clearly see that Yolevi is not going to be on the opening night roster at the start. It's going to be either I think Jack Rathbone or or Brad Hunt. And the the wild the wild thing is, I don't know if any NHL team is going to pick up Ole Yolevi. You know, I said it before on on this podcast that the fact that he is a fifth overall pick still has some cachet to maybe a, a front office or two out there, but. I mean, it's been five years later. We've seen his uh, the, the the images of him pretty much dying on the ice uh, after that bag skate probably do not sit well with a lot of the uh, old school hockey men out there, right? Like that is not something that probably sits well with a lot of them. And a lot of them probably work in NHL front offices, right? So I, I, if, if Ole Levy does not make the opening night roster and he – maybe clears waivers. I think that's a, a very real possibility at this point. A hundred percent. I would say, yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind right now, especially after, uh, after the way he sprung out of the, uh, the penalty box and scored on a breakaway, uh, that Jack Rathbone, uh, doesn't make this team. I think they're, I think he's very clearly far and away the best option. And that's not to, to say disrespect, uh, Brad Hunt in any way, who I think is a, a good, a good depth option as well. 
Rathbone has obviously the potential to be more than just a depth guy. He has the potential to be like a serious game breaker and an actual like big part of the Canucks going forward. So I think it's pretty clear that he's going to make the he's going to make the team barring unforeseen anything unforeseen. Uh, maybe maybe Brad Hunt goes out and scores a hat trick in the next game. Who knows? And that completely shifts things. Um, but yeah, you with you, Levy, I mean, there was the there was a I know there was the one tweet uh, by uh, Maxime Lapierre where he was talking about how how he, he imagined what that situation if John Tortorella was still coaching the Canucks <laughs> and how that would go. It would not um, end up well. I'll say that for all you love. No, it would not have. I think and Travis Green showed a lot of mercy in that scenario to him. He was he he and even still yet he did not mince words really like that was a that was a very telling quote uh, from Travis about uh, Levy. I I don't yeah I think I think the the odds on him go, uh, passing through waivers and going to Abbotsford are pretty good. I think the I think it's very clear. I don't think he's gonna have a I don't think he has a long term future uh, with this team right now. And at the end of the day, I'll say what I what I did with the last uh, Canucks big first, like big uh, top draft pick they had that didn't work out, which is that, and which, and specifically because a lot you can of people say his always name, make, Jake Vertanen. Ah, uh, yeah, I can say Jake Vertanen's name. I just they just don't you know, want I to. Feel like he's it's it's like the he who must not be named kind yes, of vibe of with him these days. Um, but with Jake Vertanen, there was always the people that like there was always the people of mind that. Uh, you know, you can't trade Jake Vertanen because if he goes, you're he's going to become the next Cam Neely for the Canucks, and that that trade yeah. where he immediately blossoms on the next team. And the way that I always like uh, discuss that with people is the idea that look, if he's going to turn into this, if that player is going to turn into this incredible talent, and the second he moves to another team, that should actually give you closure because clearly that was never going to happen in Vancouver. Like there, and that happens. Not every player uh, turns into the player that they are uh, just based on the fact that they were drafted to the wrong team or started their career in the wrong place. That happens. That happens quite often. Yeah, and I think for uh, people who are afraid of you know someone like Oli Levy making it work somewhere else, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Like it's five years later after he was drafted fifth overall. Yeah, he is what he is. He he had some unfortunate injuries in his key development years, and sometimes that happens to prospects, right? Their their bodies fail them, and I don't think you can't really blame anyone in that scenario. It's just it's just the luck of the draw, so to say. Uh, so the Canucks are going to be playing tonight against the Calgary Flames in Abbotsford. You can expect pretty much the uh, the Group B roster from uh, training camp. So you know, Bo Horvat and company are going to be playing. Uh, uh, the Flames tonight, but I want to get into this. So I, I joked on our Twitter page, go follow us at Locked On Canucks. I joked that the Canucks lost five three, but uh, also somehow won in the shootout because they uh, yes. they played a shootout immediately after their uh, their five three loss. Like, what what are your uh, what are your thoughts, Lachlan, on this format? You like it? I, I thought it was kind of funny that they they lost and immediately just went to a shootout. I, I can claim as a Canucks fan. I can claim some sort of moral victory. Like, we, actually, we won we in the split shootout. The, we split the series. We split actually, the series. no, we that's won a, in the shootout. That came later. Yeah. That's a. That's an MLB. It's a doubleheader, like an MLB. It's a, the, They both count the same. It's totally the same. Yeah. Uh, they split the, the series is tied that's at one one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, essentially the NHL is doing a, uh, a doing a new format for the preseason and like exhibition games this year, where they're going to play a shootout after every game, essentially to try and I guess it's to try and give like the players and goaltenders an opportunity to practice the shootout. 
interesting. It's an interesting idea. I mean, I think for, again, for the preseason, I don't like, who cares? I want more hockey. I don't care. I would like to see if they're going to do this for every game, I would like to see team like players get more like creative about it and treat it like, honestly treat it a little bit more, maybe like an NBA dunk contest and just kind of go nuts with it. Because again, this is the preseason. Like if you're fighting for a roster spot, I understand why maybe you're going to go in for the, okay, I'm just trying for a goal here. I'm going to do yeah. my best effort. Hopefully should try the Michigan. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's not going to count on an actual shootout. But it won't count. Season. Why not? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Exactly. Like, or to somebody like trying the between the legs move, try the, the spinorama, which by the way, that should not be, that's, that's a, that's considered an illegal, illegal? Uh, goal in the show in the shootout. Yeah. It's considered illegal because it's impairing the goalie because most of the time it's right in front of the goalie. Uh, it's impairing his ability to stop the puck. Like goalies can't handle someone doing a spin. What? So that that's, like, that's well, soft. like there, soft. there was, there that's was soft. the one, there was the one goal, the Canucks, like Ryan Shannon, when he was a Canuck, he literally slid, like he did the spinorama, literally like sliding right into Nikolai Habi Bulin and scoring. And then yeah. Habi Bulin like cross-checked him in the back after. Um, I think that's part of the reason why that's gone now. It's the whole puck has to be in forward motion thing. Um, but yeah, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. I I honestly think it's kind of fun just uh do but just to have the shootout in there. You know, people haven't been at the rink in a long time. Might as well give them a show. Yeah, it, I don't I don't mind it. Again, it's preseason. At the end of the day, like who really cares? Like if you're if you're uh, if you're getting outraged, I don't think anyone is about a shootout after a preseason game. Like there's bigger things to worry about in, in the sports world in general. So I'm not too concerned about it. But I like it. It's fun. Again, it gives me something to hold on to as a Canucks fan. Actually, we won this game in a shootout. So, are you, uh, it's, uh, are, you are you a pro shootout guy, or are you like in general, or are you are like more? I, think, of the, I don't mind the, a shootout. I, I don't. I do not mind a shootout to end a hockey game. I think the easiest way to fix all this is you make a regulation win worth more than a shootout win. That's thank you. That's the yes, issue. You finally. make you make three points Olympic for a regulation point win, table. two points for an overtime shootout win. And then, you know, the loser point, keep the loser point in there. I know why the NHL uh, doesn't want to do it, because if you do three points for a regulation win, you don't have that kind of fake parity that you have at the end of an NHL season where all these teams are bunched together, right? You'll have some serious separation, you know, by the all-star break and later, and you don't really, you won't have the same playoff push. So I understand why they don't want to do it, but that's the, uh, that's the easiest way to fix it, right? It's just three points for a, for a regulation win. So uh, we're yeah. about to just we're about to just get into talking about Danila Klimovich, the uh, the hot rookie for the Vancouver Canucks. That actually had a pretty good uh, actually had a pretty good uh, game last night. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Directv. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to talk to you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Okay, so Danila Klimovich. He actually had a good game uh, last night against the Seattle Kraken. He got some power play time. Uh, it seems like 
you know, the debate is whether he should end up in the AHL or the uh, the QMJHL to uh, to start the season. As much as we, I love to see him on the NHL team. I think it's best for his development and probably for the Canucks to uh, to keep him out of the NHL for a bit. Let him get some uh, North American season, whether it's in junior or uh, the AHL. So, Lachlan, AHL or uh, QMJHL for Danila Klimovich, which it, which is better? Well, you know, I think right now. It's 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 a little tough to say simply just because of the fact that you know we've only seen him for one game, but like overall, like if you ask Daniel Klimovich where he wants to be, he'll say he'll say the NHL, and he's kind of showing he can do a pretty good job. Like he honestly looked, in my opinion, pretty comfortable uh, playing against an NHL team. There are a couple of plays he made that looked very much like a this is a guy who knows what he's doing. Like there was the one there was the one play I believe like late in the third period where he was out there for a long for after a long shift, but he had like yeah. the heads up play to heads up thought to just throw the puck kind of quickly at Chris Drieger and it caught him by surprise, got a good rebound out of it. Uh, he has an NHL was, level shot. I think at this point, like not even from last night, sure game, just from, just from, you know, the, the, uh, the training camp action. He has a pre, he has a, uh, NHL ready shot. I would say, but I tweeted this out. He has the aim of a stormtrooper, which means he has like no aim whatsoever. That's yeah. Yeah. It's just splattering all over the place. That's, that's the problem with Danilo Klimovich as he has like the shot velocity doesn't have aim at this point so like right. where do you learn to aim better hl or qmjhl i'm not claiming to be a uh a, a prospect uh, expert uh far from it but it's gonna yeah. I, I think you know it, it i think the whole point of bringing your ahl team closer is for situations like this for a more hands-on development with prospects so i say put him in the ahl why not give him a, get him accustomed to uh and North American hockey, like a more pro league, and see and kind of the swinker, a sink or swim, sorry, uh, mentality. Yeah, I mean, I was because like I've been, I've been very much on the the thought process for a while now that oh, you know, just send him to the queue because uh, I think you're gonna because I thought with uh, Klimovich, he's younger guy, he's probably gonna get a lot more ice time, a lot more opportunity, a lot more opportunities to really rack up some points in the queue. Uh, versus, say, an Abbotsford team that's already seems to be gearing itself up to try and be like a Calder Cup contender. He's probably not going to get nearly as many minutes. He's probably going to end up, you know, being a healthy scratch at quite a few times in the early going because he's the because he's not a, a veteran. You so put him in a situation where he's going to get as much as much ice time as humanly possible for him. But right now, the way he's been playing, it is kind of looking more and more. Like if you did put him, if you did put him in the AHL, he might be playing regularly, like at least maybe like third, second line, maybe third, like maybe third. Yeah. Like, well, the Canucks will make sure like of it with the AHL team in Abbotsford. That's the whole point of bringing it to Abbotsford, right? You have a more hands-on approach in your development. So you, yeah. you, so you, it you, you bring him in the AHL, gets... you, you put him in the AHL, you can pick and choose, you know, what line, if he plays on the power play, all that good stuff. Yeah, it it honestly depends on how how comfortable they are with their with their coaching with their new with the new coaching staff that they have. I mean, they still have Trent Call. They have a couple holdovers from Utica, but they they hired some new people in. They brought a few new uh, uh, coaches in, and if they have the confidence in that group that they do, potentially, yeah, why not give him a shot? Why not give the eighteen year old a shot at the at the AHL and see and see how it goes for him. It's not. It's not, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that say maybe you look like maybe early in the season. Uh, I don't. I don't know how, exactly how uh, the rules work, but I. I don't see if there's a 
why if there's a scenario like they decide okay maybe this isn't a good spot to put him in the hl so quickly we'll put him in the queue we'll send him to the queue i don't know if you can do that mid-season uh but that's might be in the cards essentially too uh if possible so you know might as well give him the opportunity to work hands-on with your coaching staff especially because there's going to be a lot of communication between the nhl and ahl groups give and give him the opportunity to kind of work on a few things uh, against stiffer pro competition uh that he that and that he might be able to succeed at pretty quickly yeah, well, I think if if you put him in one spot, you want him to stay there the entire season. You don't want him flip flopping around uh, different leagues. But I say I, I agree with everything you just said right there. It doesn't make for a good podcasting, but you make some good points there. Uh, I, I it I also think doesn't make for a good podcasting if we're just fighting the whole time either. So you know you gotta take a little bit of both. Column A, column B. Yeah, I guess so. It's, I, I subscribe to the Will Ferrell philosophy. It's provocative. It gets the people going. But uh, you know what? You, you know what? I think the AHL is the uh, is is the best place for him to uh, to start the season. You're close again. You're close by in Abbotsford. You have you can pick and choose your spots. But I would have liked to see Danila Klimovich score like two points a game in the uh, in the QMJHL. I would have loved to see those highlights of him just torching you know QMJHL goalies like scoring two goals and having like four assists and a eight, six game against the Quebec ramparts or whatever. That would have been fun. Yeah. And, and that, you know what? Fun. That could still happen. We, we don't know what the plan is for Danilo Klimovich if for in the Canucks eyes. Yeah. He, he, he is a, he's a very interesting prospect in the sense of like there, there seems to be an idea of what he can be, but it's possible that he gets farther. Like there's possible that he gets a lot farther. He does seem to be a little bit of a kind of a, uh, just kind of this, like this interesting question mark of what possible, what potential he has and being a pretty big steal for where he was drafted. So I'm very interested to see what the Canucks do, especially with their, especially with this, this new AHL system. Like if you look back on Utica's history, on their history with the comics, honestly, not a lot of players from that group outside of goaltenders have really gone graduated from that program to become like great players. They have a few of them. Like Troy Stetcher was very good. He came up through that. Um, you look at say maybe like um a, I don't know, I don't know how much time Ben Hutton spent in the in Utica, but those are like the success stories for them at that level in those years. Uh outside of your again, your goaltenders, Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko, who both did very, very well. Um, I am I would like to I'm I'm very hopeful with this new format for them that it will lead to a lot more graduates from the AHL, not just being guys who play depth roles, but actually coming up to do, do big things and actually be a huge part of the Canucks in the long-term future. And you hope that's kind of the situation uh, with Klimovich if they decide to go that road, obviously. Yeah, and uh, one thing Danilo Klimovich will not be uh, playing on is the penalty kill, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Do you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's truly something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their flavors. They have so many great flavors. They have coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie. They have the classic flavors such as orange, cookies and cream, strawberry. I'm a classic flavor guy. I like the orange. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, guess what? You can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors and not only are built bar flavors the best tasting but they're healthy they're very good for you 17 to 18 grams of protein only four to five grams of sugar 132 about 180 calories in each bar 
They're all amazing flavors. They're all tasty, and they're all very, very good for you. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off BuiltBar.com. Okay, so the penalty kill. We're gonna we're, we've been ending our shows with a few training camp battles uh, for each episode of Locked On Canucks. Your first listen to of the day. I think for the tr- for the penalty kill, we got some clues last night, Lachlan, into the Canucks' plans for the penalty kill. You had Phil Giuseppe, fellow Italian. I'm always always have time for that, and uh, and Matthew Highmore uh, as the forwards for the penalty kill. So. I think those guys have an inside track to make the team uh, regardless. And Luke Shen and our best friend who we were just praising earlier, Olio Levy, uh, spent some time on the uh, on the penalty kill. That might be Olio Levy's in, in, in reality saving grace as he does kill penalties. That might be his only, you know, plus side in, in if when the Canucks are considering who to keep on that left side, right, is uh, Levy kills penalties. You saw Luke Shen out there, but... I think Phil G. Giuseppe and Matthew Highmore, like without Brandon Sutter to start the season, who obviously has a is a big fan of uh, of the penalty kill and the Canucks love him on, on the penalty kill. I think Phil G. Giuseppe has an inside track to make that uh that fourth line because he does kill penalties, right? I think so. Yeah, I think with I think with G. Giuseppe, yeah, it's very much about how much of a specialist can you be, especially if you're going to make the team right now, the Canucks, what they want are going to be looking for. And the coaching staff are looking for is specialists. And, and he didn't, and you play and that he didn't just, role? he didn't just play on the penalty kill last night because he needs someone. He was pretty good. And I thought he had a number, a couple of nice clearances at the line uh, on the, on the penalty kill at, at a couple of points. Yeah. He looked, he looked very good. He looked like, I think I'm sure this, if we went and looked at his, uh, his time with the Rangers and the Hurricanes before this, I'm sure he's probably played a lot of uh, PK before yeah. this because it uh, looked we like had a role he was a former very saying on my podcast, honest person, honest podcast. I have no idea if Phil Giuseppe has played penalty kill before, but it looked like last night he has some experience, so that's good. Yeah, he he it it definitely wasn't a thing a case where this was a guy out there like I don't know what I'm doing like <laughs> this is I've never done this before. He's clearly got the like that uh, mentality where this is a, a role he's definitely played before. And yeah, that fourth line is most nights is probably gonna also kind of be doing double du- pulling double duty as the PK. And the way that the Canucks PK has been over the last few years, you really really are going to uh put like bonus marks on for besides players for names if they're able to kill good penalties because they they really struggled in that department last year i think yeah i think Giuseppe has a good opportunity i think highmore might be an interesting uh an interesting option for say like a pk2 if you're throwing him on say like the way on the right wing of course helps him make the team as well like they want to give him a chance to make the team after the godette thing if you can kill penalties good for him yeah, what's interesting is going to be uh, who centers them right now because I think both I think both Di Giuseppe and Highmore are natural wingers. So I don't know I don't know who would necessarily be centering them in that case. I mean, obviously the PK you're playing four on four, but you got to have a centerman out there. I guess without Sutter, you're probably bringing up somebody. It's probably uh, it might be a case of Justin Dowling probably coming in. I don't know what his history is with uh, with pen- with uh, special teams. 
but that's probably I, I imagine they'll probably want to go in some in the more uh, like the veteran route. I don't know how your boy Nick Patan is on as uh, on PK. He doesn't. I think well, he's more of a scorer. I imagine. Yeah, but well, that's the problem with Nick Patan is he, I have to be honest. He's he didn't, he didn't do much last night. That's the problem. And he's not, and I don't think he would consider him a specialist either. Like he's very no. much more of an offensive guy. Yeah, exactly. So it maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, Sheldon Dries comes out with a, a good training camp. Maybe I don't know. Uh, right now, it's really just a matter of. Uh, I think both of the. I think yeah. I think in both of those cases, you could see a potential. I think where I think where Di Giuseppe might be the guy that gets a little bit of the edge right now because he's looked pretty good. As much as Highmore, as much as much as the as important as it is. For Highmore to succeed with Vancouver, I think. I, but honestly, right now there's room. There's a little bit of room for both of them. I think. Yeah, I think I'd like to see how Justin Dowling does. And I think he's playing. I think he he's playing Calgary tonight. I think he's going to be in the Calgary game. So uh, I'm interested to see how that goes because that right now you might be looking at that as an all not only as your penalty kill but as your fourth line for the start of the year. Yeah, and for Luke Shen again, we still don't know the status of, of Travis Hamanick rumors out there that he doesn't want to be vaccinated so if he misses some time then luke shen has an inside track i think for uh for that right right side d because again he showed last night he can kill penalties right i mean honestly it seems like they're planning for uh a team for a team without travis hamannick right now it very much seems which is like... unfortunate because they're paying him three million dollars a year but wait, we, we can yep. get to that point when we we can we can start ripping we'll cross that bridge that. when we get to it yeah yeah, yeah exactly with Again, like we we talked about this in the last episode, uh, how I'm a huge fan of the idea of Luke Shen playing with Jack Rathbone, getting opportunity, them as a pairing, I think would be very good. And I think a couple other people actually mentioned that last night and we're talking about that at points yesterday. Shen, again, Shen is not only is a, is a specialist in the being able to nurture a, a young defenseman. Uh, quota, but also being able to kill penalties. He's very, he's uh, aggressive on the, on the puck carrier. He's, but he's also, also very, he's also responsible in his own end. I think he's a, I think he's the closest thing the Canucks have to a Chris Tanev replacement right now. I don't know. I don't, again, I'm not a, I'm not super familiar with Tucker Pullman's line, uh, uh, Tucker Pullman's resume. But right now, at the very least, if there's a guy on this team who's a defensive specialist, Luke Shen is that guy. And I think you have to, I think right now you have to give him every opportunity to play because they don't really have a good, uh, a good second option right now. I think uh, outside of him. So I think Shen is, I think Shen very much is, uh, it's, he's as close to a lock as you can get as a, as say like a fifth or sixth defenseman right now. Yeah, you put him in a in a shelter defensive role, put him on a uh, keep him as a as a main penalty killer and I think that's the ideal role for uh for someone like Luke Shen. I mean, you can also I think play with a guy like uh like a Tyler Myers, right? Like it's pretty wild that a 6 million dollar defenseman has to be babysitted defensively, but uh that's that's kind of how Tyler Myers uh uh, resume has been with the Vancouver Canucks and who he, Luke Shen, he's not going to do much with the puck. So if he can babysit him and give the puck to Tyler Myers and hey, uh, Tyler Myers, he's good with the puck on his stick, I think, for a defenseman. I think that's his that's his strong suit. So maybe he plays five on five with Tyler Myers, babysits for him for a bit, and uh, and uh, you know plays uh, penalty kill mills at minutes. I think that's the ideal role for uh, for a guy like Luke Shen. And we're again, the Canucks are playing tonight against the uh, the Calgary Flames in Abbotsford with that really high priced uh, Canucks uh, 
preseason game that everyone seems to be getting upset over. So uh, are you going? Are you are you I will not be going? I will not be going. I will not be going to Abbotsford tonight. Uh, I will be watching it from the comfort uh, of my own home. So, uh, yeah, I'm not paying seventy five dollars for for a preseason game. Sorry. Yeah. That's just on the cards for me. Yeah, apparently most people are not because that is uh, I, I, if you have if anyone has not looked at Ticketmaster and the and the tickets available, they have the whole like live map of all the available seats. There's a there's a lot available. A it's not going to be maybe, like maybe just you know let you know decrease the prices a bit for anyone listening yeah. from the Vancouver Canucks. Make like fifty dollars, maybe fifty dollars. I would have considered it, or even less, maybe forty dollars. I would have considered it because yeah, if, hey, I live in North Burnaby. If you're if I'm paying forty dollars for a ticket to an Abbotsford Abbotsford game. I also have to consider the time spending driving out there and back. So yeah, yeah. rush so hour, right right in the middle of rush hour much. to yeah. get out there probably. Cause it's like, if it's a seven o'clock puck drop, I think tonight, yeah, you're leaving and brought your house to probably like five, five around five, like, or four or four thirty. I don't know how far I actually have never drove to Abbotsford before. So I actually don't know how far it is, but driving from, I did a lot. I did a lot of uh, Burnaby to Langley drives in the past which were usually actually pretty okay. Like even like 40 minutes was decent. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a case of uh, they definitely, I think over and overestimated how many people wanted to go see preseason hockey, or maybe like, maybe this just goes all the way back to uh, Abbotsford's dislike of the, uh, the heat when they, when they were uh, playing out of that building, maybe they just don't like Calgary that much. Uh, we shall see. I, at least the tickets for the actual AHL team are much more reasonable from what I've seen. I think it's like just 25 a person. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And, uh, that has it for another episode of locked on Canucks part of the locked on podcast network. Thanks again for making locked on Canucks your first listen every day. And we will back with you tomorrow with, of course, you know, a quick recap of the Canucks preseason game against the Calgary flames from Abbotsford, the first preseason game for the Vancouver Canucks in BC in uh, in quite a long time. And make sure your second listen of today is Locked On Bets. Betting on hockey doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, the wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by Bet Online dot ag wherever you get podcasts see you tomorrow